We take ourselves to your word, Lord. We bring ourselves to the attention. As we read and we look and we think and meditate, let your word bear in our hearts, Lord, be rooted in our hearts that it can bear fruit, that we can be the light and the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name. We've been looking through the book of Acts. We've been, uh, not the book of Acts, but the book of James. I don't know why I said Acts. Okay, Acts is the early church. James starts his letter out, chapter 1, count it all joy. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, testing of your faith produces Endurance. We talked a bit about how that the Lord allows trials. Sometimes we do not. We're not able to get stronger unless trials. I don't like trials. They're never easy. But I know that it's human nature to seek God more. Right? We're, opti- we're apt to seek him more when we're in trial. When we're facing something hard. And the good news is God goes with you and I through the valleys, through the fiery furnaces. When the storms are raging, I love that song down on my knees in the middle. Can you just see the picture? See, God is always looking for someone whom he can use to be a, a, medi- a mediator. Can you just see someone that's standing in the gap while the storm is raging? could be you or I. It could be in the middle of the night. It could be on your way to work, on your drive, that you're offering up intercession. Always. God is looking for someone whom he can fill a heart. One of the saddest verses I re- I'm reading through Ezekiel. It's not a fun book to read because Ezekiel is all about judgment. One judgment after the other. God is speaking, trying to get Israel to, to wake up. I believe God is still speaking to us, a nation, a church, to be alert, to be awake to be not caught off guard, or being not sleeping spiritually. So we get, God lets us in on his plans. So often, I want to bring my plans, my thinking, that's okay. Bless the little ones. But God has his plans 
in motion and in mind. And so I want to talk to you today. And our, uh, we're, ending, we're nearing the end of James uh, already. It's a great book. God is ultimately, that's what I want to talk about, God, God is ultimately in control. It may not always seem like it, but his word declares that he is on the throne. And no matter what happens in, in this life, there is another life which is yet to come. And that is our hope. And the good news is that Jesus has great plans for you and I. Thank you, Anna, for... She's a brave girl. And uh, thank you for helping us. Blessings on you. We're the fourth chapter of James, looking, starting out, we left off a verse, about verse 10, 11. Verse 10 had to do with humbling oneself, uh, submitting yourself to God. We talked a bit about how do you resist the devil. One of the best ways to resist the devil is to go to God. Amen. Right? You, you, you just go to God. And, and the devil just, just runs. You, you resist the devil by going to God. You know, you can get mad at the devil, and it's okay. You get angry, get angry at the devil, but he, he likes it when you get angry. He thinks he's getting somewhere. But you begin, to, you begin to call on the Lord. The Lord is my strength. When Jesus was tempted in the, in the desert, he just quoted verse after verse, scripture after scripture. It is written, it is written, it is written. You cannot try to, you cannot deceive me. So, by now, he deals with a subject, verse 11, that oftentimes we, we hear in our society or Christian community or, or around about, you, 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 you cannot judge me. Don't judge me, right? We, we hear that. In fact, the matter is, God is the judge. I believe we can make judgments, uh, discern right and evil, good and evil, but I don't really know what's in the heart. I can misjudge. I have to be careful. I have to be humble when it comes to judging, thinking that, well, this and this and that and this would have happened, wouldn't have happened. Otherwise, you know, there's got to be, you know, now we're getting into Job's friends scenario. Right? Remember Job, the guy who lost it all, and all of his friends showed up. What kind of friends were these guys? Job, you, got, you have to have some kind of sin in your life. Right? Let's be careful of the Christian community. Let's hold one another up. Let's be encouragers one to another. Careful. And so God is the ultimate judge. He's the only one that really understands people's hearts, their reasoning, their thinking, their mistakes, their surrender. We never know when God will work in a person's heart and change their heart and take that which was meant for evil, turn around for good. God is in the restoration business. He is in the redeeming business. 
is in the changing transformation. Really, that has to do with what's in the heart, the motives, the ultimate uh, thinking that goes on in, in the world comes back to who's really in control. When I try to be in control, I find myself unhappy and not at peace. But when I surrender to God, and it's in your hands, Lord, oh, what a weight it lifts. Oh, what a wonderful way to live. And let me say, this is the constant thing that we battle. Giving it to God and then taking it back. Surrendering it to God and then taking it back. We will battle that. And so now, James discusses, what about your business? What about your ways, the way you make a living? Very practical. Verse 13 says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. That's a good thing when you're in business. That's, a, no, that's, a, that's okay. That, that's good. God wants you to come out ahead. And God's ways of doing it are the best. To be honest, to, to give, give back to him, be faithful, be honest. Uh, you know, people that work honest livings, do an honest day's, honest day's work. That takes, God takes notice of that. And he's there to reward you. But what he's saying is, don't be so sure. On one side, we're going to follow God, but if the Lord wills, what he's, what he's coming to, if it's in God's plan, if it's of God, and if you allow God to be a, there and be a part in your partner in your business, I believe God will help us come out ahead. That we can keep our bills paid. It's okay. It's a good thing. But we're never to live so sure about our finances, so sure about our income, so sure about our, our, our health. Because we really don't know what our life will be like tomorrow. That's what he's saying. If the Lord wills, you and I could be snatched in a moment, taken like a vapor. What he's saying, this, what is he saying? This life is fragile. This life is short. This life is temporal. The things we see, the scripture says, are temporal. Everything we see is temporal. But the things we do not see is eternal. And so for some reason, it's so hard to keep our folks, our fix rather, on the eternal things. If we're not careful, we lose sight and we find ourselves bothered. 
by so many things. And Jesus wants you and I to put into balance. And I like the word balance because we need bread to eat. We need clothes. We need shelter. We need the basics. But everything else is a, is a bonus. And when we just say, Lord, you've given me more than I need. When we acknowledge to God, then we begin to think, well, maybe I could help someone else. With the extra, I can give this away. I can let someone else have it. And so we get down to who's ultimately in control of your life, of your livelihood. It's good to know Jesus is your provider. What a way to live. Now, on the other hand, that he's your provider doesn't mean that you shouldn't put your hand to the plow. I believe the scripture is full of work ethic. Whatever you find your hand, what your hand finds it to do with all your might. Give it all you have. Work is as unto the Lord. Work is a blessing. Work was given to Adam in the garden and Eve to take care. It was, it was an assignment. I think there's going to be some assignments even in eternity. I believe the Lord is going to trust us with things he has in store for us. So ultimately, God is in control of our he is the judge. He's ultimately the judge. He's ultimately in control of our business life. He's ultimately in control of when it comes down to what is that which he has in mind. And now, in several verses, you, you know, you read through this, it's like he's picking out things not necessarily all connect to the thought. There's just some nuggets here that we can glean from. Wouldn't it be nice? I would say, if the Lord laid out everything in our life, I don't think so. In a way, it would be nice if we knew the beginning to the end, but in other, way, in other words, in other ways, I don't think so. Because we would be fretting, perhaps. We would be uneasy. Isn't it the Lord good when he helps us walk by faith? Isn't it good to know that you can, though you don't know exactly all what's going to pan out, what's all going to happen, we know that in the end, he is going to come through just as he said. He is building his church through you and I, through every believer, every tongue, tribe, and nation are going to be gathered around him. There is going to be a day that when he comes back, he's coming back for those who are looking for him. And we don't have to worry because if we're walking with him, it won't be taken off guard. We won't be taken back. Oh, my goodness, I missed it. But no, we are looking for Jesus and we're living that way and it comes down to this things do not become a hindrance we're ready to let them go we're ready to drop everything when he calls 
There's nothing holding us back. We are free to live when we walk with him like that. Ultimate judge, ultimately in control of our business. Here's the one. He comments in chapter 5. James brings up. There must have been certain individuals who had so much. We've heard of the word hoarders, hoarding. Look at verse 2. Your riches have rotted, and your garments have become moth-eaten. What does that tell us? Stuff is temporal. Stuff wears out, stuff fades, new stuff. Oh my goodness, if that's what I'm trying to accumulate, if that's the only thing, well then, there's no peace. He was talking to some people who didn't pay their workers. In verse 4, behold the pay of the laborers who mow your fields, which has, got, which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Sabaoth. Not to be confused with Sabbath. Sabaoth means the Lord of hosts. Has to do that, has to do with God is ultimately in control. He is sovereign. He is the Lord. It's an Old Testament title, Lord of Sabaoth. And he is the one who's, who has the last word. He is the one who's on the throne. He is the one who is for his people. See, God sees. When people have been taken advantage of, God sees those things. And if you've ever been taken advantage of, how do you deal with it? I believe the Lord's clear in in the book of Romans where he says, vengeance is mine. What does that help you? Why does that help you? Because it's, it's the Lord's battle. Now I know there's times where we need to set boundaries, you know, we, we need to protect ourselves. There are children, there are, there, are, there are households who need sometimes intervention. I know, I know that. We live, in a, we live in a fallen world. But I, what I'm thinking of is what sometimes we've been taken advantage of through life. Someone's kind of held something against you. you. Somehow you tried to make amends, but to no avail. And you can carry that thing and carry that thing, but you have, for, for, for God is call, calling us, you know what, let me have it. I've got you. It's my battle. And we say, Lord, thank you. 
He goes on and speaks about people who lived luxuriously. Verse 5. These are, these are strong words. Let a life of wanton pleasure fatten your hearts in the day of slaughter. Them are strong words when it comes to people who have taken advantage of others so that they could fill their own pockets or bring more to themselves. But God is the ultimate judge. And we turned them over. And now for people who walk with God, he's encouraging verse 7, be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Now he gives the illustration. Behold the farmer. God loves farmers. God loves all people. There's something about the sowing, the principle of breaking the ground, the principle of having faith to place seed in the ground, that you're going to get something back. You never know what the weather is going to be like for sure. And so, you plant seeds with faith. You put your hand to the plow and don't look back because you're going somewhere. You're believing God somehow through your efforts is going to bring a harvest. There's some, if I don't plant, I can't expect the harvest. So the principle is there. Whatsoever man soweth, he reapeth. God is in charge. You see, it's with the, that's the way the church works. Someone can share a word, speak a word. Someone can encourage, but the scripture says God causes the growth. So it comes back to this. I can plant the seed, but God causes the growth. I can do all the right things. I can try to say all the right things, but God is ultimately the one that is going to build the church, build his church, build people, transform lives, intervene in situations that only he can. You and I are caretakers in his wonderful garden of people in the world. We show up and give our our best at the workplace were to show up, were to treat people with respect and honesty. We were to be straightforward with people, that people would see us as the real thing, that we're this way and we're this way, and we keep being this, we have this attitude about us. We have this presence about us that we are, we are not our own that we belong to him. Back up a verse. It's easy to, when it comes to sin, he addressed not doing what is right, 
Knowing what is right, verse 17, I'm backtracking a little bit. Therefore, to, to one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. That's strong. Oh, may I never become one who looks for faults. May I never become someone who's comparing myself, God and you, you and God, have a unique responsibility, a relationship. There are some things that God and you and you're, convict, you're convicted about things that are, that are wrong or that are right. There are some things that you're convicted about that you will not do, and there are things that you're convicted about that you will do. That's good. That's because you're hearing. You're sensitive, sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We used to have youth group back in the day, you know. One of the biggest questions would come up was, how, how, how much can I sin and still get into heaven? That's kind of a, you know, I don't want to, you know, how far can we stay away from this sin? That should be our attitude. Not how, how much can I get by with? That's not healthy. We're on a slippery slope. We ought to say, oh God, create in me a clean heart. The psalmist cried out. Create in me a clean, clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And you get back to this farmer, we get back to how this farmer is hard working, how he, he has to be patient, and oh, that word patient comes up over and over and over again in the Christian's life, in a believer's life. By the way, the patient is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if you need more patience, I, I, I say this with a little hesitancy. When I pray for patience, then I get more trials. So I, I sometimes, you know, I'm, Lord, I'm not patient, but I, I don't want to be tested, right? You've been there. Right? But sometimes we want patience and we want it now. Right? We just, patience is something you can't, you can't rush it. Patience is something that it's, it, it's, it's a God thing. What do, we, what do we understand about God? One of the things that we totally blows our mind is that one day with God is like a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. How patient is God? Unbelievably, unimaginably. And the good news is he's not willing that any should perish. Thank God that he's patient with America right now. But I believe we could be, we're getting closer. Patience is, an, it's just, it's, when he says it's enough, it's enough. We're at his mercy, but we're, we're in good hands. We're in good hands with God. So ultimately, I want to just encourage you. God sees the beginning to the end. God already knows your mishaps 
God already knows the things that's going to test you. God already knows what it takes to bring you around. And so we move on. And the question is, why do we have to have trials? If we're loving God, we're praying people, we're talking to God, God's talking to us, bang. It just so happens, and you know the story probably, the book of Job. And Job was a righteous man, as it says, and he offered the offerings, he did all the things that was proper in the day. He prayed, he believed God. And Satan came to test him. Good news is God only allowed him to go so far, which seemed horrendous. But God said, you cannot kill him. Take his health, sir. Take his family, but you can't, you can't kill him. And so we read the verses as an example. As an example. If we never had the example of Job, we would probably not be as rich as we are today because we have his story. Job was a rich man in his day, but his riches, his material things, his family wasn't that which just made him rich. The real riches was within his heart. It was that which he walked, the faith that he had in his God. His your real riches today is your faith. Your real goal today is your faith in God who owns it all anyway. And so if the storm comes and blows your house down as it did in Job's, and one day his house, his family, and his health were all taken. And it says in James, Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. How could he say that to Job? Because Job got back in the end twice as much. He redeemed, he, he brought back his family, he brought back his, his business, his livelihood, and doubled it. I believe it ties into eternity. Because what you lose here in this earth for God's sake, for Christ's sake, you gain it back over and over again in eternity. What you've surrendered, what you've, what you've sacrificed, what you've given, God is waiting for you to reward you. It's a God we serve. It's a God that we can trust. He's a God that we don't always understand, but yet I will trust him. Exactly what Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. It, it, in other words, there's nothing, nothing here in this life that can really satisfy my heart. It's the only thing that really matters is when I stand before him in that day, the only thing that really matters is that the Lord will say to you and I, good, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What does God want from us? He just wants our heart. 
He just wants that inner being. He wants to be seated in the center of your heart. He is ultimately desiring, seeking for those who will look to him. He wants you to hand the steering wheel of your life. He wants you to move over so that he can be in control. Friends, there's no greater way to live. I believe. And we boil it all down to this. I wasn't sure if I'll try to finish James today, but I think I'll, I'll kind of wrap it with this. In the last very part of James, we talk about sick people. We talk about people who need prayer. We t- it talks about praying the prayer of faith. And the Lord will restore the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man, and I thought about this this morning. Elijah had a nature like ours. What, what was his nature like? Elijah was a man of God, but he was just as human. At one moment, we see Elijah calling fire down from God to consume the sacrifice. In another chapter, we see Elijah hiding, depressed, broken, afraid, wanting God to take him. What happened? There's a human side of us. Everybody Everybody has a breaking point. Every one of us has a moment when we, we've been tested. Sometimes we just want to go home with the Lord. That's okay. And God says to Elijah, you, you, it's not your time yet. He didn't say exactly those words, but he was, I have more work for you to do. Elijah had a nature. He wasn't perfect. He had faith beyond all measure. But he was, when he started thinking about all the, the prophets that had been slain. His comrades taken from him. And he felt like he was the last one. He hit bottom. He hit bottom. He had a nature like ours. Sometimes we come to a place in life when we don't know, this is, I can take this. This is tough. I don't know if I can handle it much more. And say, when we look up, we say, God, do that which only you can do. We surrender. We surrender. And we rest in the Lord's. We sing this song to the pressing. Jesus is making something new out of us. We'll sing that and we'll wrap. Wrap it up with a prayer. 
I believe there are people here that would appreciate prayer. I know there's someone here that requested prayer, and we're going we're gonna to move from this song after this song into just a time of prayer for those who want to stay for that. So, and we'll, we'll, we'll lead you, and the Holy Spirit will guide us.